This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. From the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window. Making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Online at willowwindow.pro. Now live from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. Here's Truman Jones. Euro, it's another Euro. Sorry. Oh, you're doing a good job. No, you go ahead, Truman. Ronnie Martin, goodness gracious. People get to hear you the way you really are when, when those things happen. I'm pretty consistent. so You, you are. Yeah. You are consistent. Good for better or for worse. <laughs> but the Hi, boss. this is Lisa real boss. with Oh. Uh, way to go, guys, Ooh, up Lisa, there at the studio. Lisa's got a great voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me, Janie Stewart, I, I want to share something with you. I, I, I took the ladies out to, who took care of me for all those years at the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. And, and they were so good to me. Couldn't make it without them. And uh, uh, Greg Tucker and Mentriette came also, who are very good friends. And uh, we had a blast last night. And look at it maybe 30 years from now when you and Ronnie are still at Pinnacle Bank. <laughs> I like that. How do I appreciate you think, that. How do you think that relationship would be in 30 years from now? I think it's going to be a miracle if I make it five more years. Now, Jan. <laughs> now, Jan. She's truthful, Ronnie. Don't, don't, don't let her be herself. Here's what I can tell you. Yeah. Jan, Jan can say that all she wants. She's like, It's like missing a day of high school. When she's not at work for uh-huh. a day or for a half day, she's yeah. mad because she missed out on any conversation we had or anything that went on. So, The she, truth is things fall completely apart when I'm not there. They work better with Jan's there. I wouldn't yeah. say they fall apart, but they work better when Jan's there. Yeah. What happened when I wasn't there last week? Well, we had a tamale incident specifically. Is that what you're talking about? Is that a Mexican yeah. dish? We're talking about a tamale? Well, so, uh, you know, I'll tell you this quick story. Um, you know, the pandemic has been hard on businesses. We've talked a lot about COVID yes. and that sort of thing. And um, there was a very nice article about uh, a lady, I think her last name was Prather. It was in the DNJ. Uh, I think Nancy, Nancy uh, DiGennaro wrote an article. But anyway, they were starting a tamale business. You read the DNJ? I, I do. I skim it. I, I look uh, at the pictures. Does it, does, does, does it uh, enlarge your uh, intellectual uh, abilities? I'm really reading most of the time to see the consistency between the conversations I have with Scott Broden to see <laughs> if it actually is what I said That's or how close it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's amazing. No, I, I, I I've always had the DNJ, so it's good. I like it. Local papers. You big just deal. read it for Arlo and Janice. That's the only reason. There you, that go. you read it. Yeah. 
But so anyway, Jan was out on Friday. Um, He's so easy to get off. <laughs> uh, Jan was out Friday. I ordered tamales from you know uh, Prather's tamales to sort of help the business. They did this article. Yeah. Customer comes in uh, spontaneously, and I didn't know they didn't have an appointment, so I stop what I'm doing and, and handle my business, what I'm supposed to be doing. And yeah. so this lady comes to the bank, and you know wants to get her money for the tamales I ordered. And I had already paid her through Venmo. You have a Venmo, right? No, I don't know what you're talking about. So it's a, it's a, I uh, pay cash. electronic payment. Yeah, it's an electronic yeah. payment system that you okay. can use on your phone. All right. And anyway, I had sent her the payment, um, but she had not received notification or been aware that I had received her payment. So long story short, while I'm with this customer, um, one of our other team members in the bank had to pay for my tamales again because this lady didn't know, and evidently she kind of held the tamales hostage mm -hmm. until she got paid, which mm -hmm. is understandable because she didn't know me, right? Um, yeah. But anyway, if Jan had been there, this whole thing would not have turned into a mess, and it ended up I had to – I had already paid for them, so she had to refund my money. I had to go pay this nice lady, Michelle Waddell, downstairs who had paid for the tamales. Mm -hmm. And then, and then they turned up missing. And then we couldn't find the tamales, <laughs> so we blamed that on Dan Alexander. He's a member of our team. But when Jan's not there to kind of keep the circus intact, it's kind of a mess sometimes. Did you get to eat the tamales? Well, so that's the other thing. They're frozen, <laughs> and so it takes an oh, hour and good. 15 nice. minutes to cook them, and that's a long, that's a big ordeal and process. What was in your mind to do that? I was trying to help somebody. She was starting a business, so I bought some tamales. And you ordered frozen tamales for yeah, I don't, your lunch. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I knew they were frozen, but yeah. I had not intended to eat them for lunch anyway. I was just trying to help, you know, the yeah. small business. So. And I've got my money in, in that bank. You do. We take very good care of it. <laughs> but I'm in charge of your money. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> I made sure of that, Jenny. Yeah. yeah. Bless your heart. Th things are changing so much. Now, uh... Is there anything politically we need to look at right now that's going on in the city of Murfreesboro? Because I know there are a lot of changes happening there. Yes, sir. As, as you well know, um, there is always a lot happening. So kind of on the plate, mm -hmm. center stage, a lot of conversation about the Blackman Park land yeah. uh, that has been talked about rezoning for city use rather than a park um and when i say city use rezoning for commercial development rather than commercial and office development rather than a park so that's that's a difficult issue that we're working through we've talked some about the airport i was at a uh, airport safety committee meeting yesterday with a consultant that mtsu and the city of murfreesboro have hired jointly to look at um helping us assess you know how we can continue to be a safe um, public airport, what we can do better, and how we work together with MTSU's expanding program. Yeah. So working through that, we've got the landfill issue that has been in the paper as of late. Um, everybody's excited about the expansion of the landfill. Are now, they? wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, they're, we, we seem to be on, on different sides. Yeah, I'm there. just kidding. Obviously. I know you are. Yeah. But... Uh, what is the city of Murfreesboro's attitude toward the landfill, and what is the future look as far as Murfreesboro is concerned right. uh, about the landfill? So, Truman, the way I would answer that is I try very much to stay in my lane of what my responsibility is because it gets very easy to have an opinion about everything. 
right? Yeah. Um, but what is my direct responsibility? And so, you know, while I have an opinion, a personal opinion about the landfill, the reality is the landfill is not in the city of Murfreesboro. Mm-hmm. Um, the the operators, Republic, uh, do not have to get any sort of approval from the city of Murfreesboro uh, from an operating standpoint. So uh, that, that's one thing that's very interesting for most people right now mm-hmm. is if Rutherford County and the city of Murfreesboro decide they don't want that with with in their uh, um, responsibilities anymore mm-hmm. and they want to get rid of it, how are you going to do that? Yeah, so I'll I'll ask for a little bit of grace in the sense that um, I'm not an attorney, and so I think an attorney would be better suited to answer that question. But 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 you do have governmental insight. I think um, so. Again, the way I would answer that, it, it's outside of both the city and to some degree the county's uh, purview from an approval standpoint. Now the county would have to approve an expansion of the landfill or additional, I think, that's my understanding. Mm-hmm. But largely, um, uh, Tennessee Department of Environmental Conservation, uh, TDEC, is, I think, who has some regulatory oversight of the landfill. Um, you know, it is not a city-owned or a county-owned landfill. It's a privately-owned uh, landfill. Contractual through the the, the, the local people. Mm-hmm. And the the city's involvement really is isolated to an agreement we have uh, with Republic, uh, I think, in in conjunction with the county. And that is that uh, we treat the, uh, what I would call, runoff of the landfill. So the the landfill kind of oozes as rainfall comes down and runs through the trash. There's this stuff, sludge, that comes off, if you will. And maybe even into the water there. Well, no, it's collected, and we collect it and send There's it to... There's nothing perfect when you get to those type things, Ronnie. That's right. I'm not suggesting it is perfect. Yeah. But there is a collection system in place yeah. where... Um, I'm glad we got you fighting for us. I, well, I'm, I have to fight fair. You know, yeah. That's the most important no, thing. No, you don't have to. Well, I do. I'm going to fight fair. You don't win when you fight fair. <laughs> I'm going to fight fair, true. <laughs> All right. But the city of Murfreesboro treats that in our wastewater plant, yeah. and uh, so what's interesting is ultimately the the juice, right? To use a not col- know, a very colorful term. It's hard to say, but you know, I have big questions there because the whole thing really smells, doesn't it? That's <laughs> good. That's really good. Thank you very much. It uh, it yeah. does. But we treat that. Um, runoff, and actually it goes through our our process. The same thing that if you mm-hmm put something down a sink or through a toilet it goes yeah. all to the same place we clean it and then we pump it back into the river as scary as that sounds but yeah but um if, our if you drive down that road where the landfill is mm-hmm. y- they can't keep it clean it's awful it is awful and, and, and the poor people live out there you have the smell and then you have all the trash that's flowing off of those mm-hmm. trucks from once they get in on that on that road, bless their hearts. Well, look, it, it's a dirty business, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the you other piece, lost, you just lost one thousand votes. Well, <laughs> but but here's the other thing that we take for granted. You yeah. know, when your trash can fills up, yeah, um, you got to put that somewhere. Yeah. You know, and if we don't have a process in place, if we do not have a place to do that locally. Then for most people, city residents, um, you know, they, they pay on their water bill, uh, residential, $7.50 a month for trash, 
trash service. Uh, county, you know, you're responsible for doing that yourself. Smyrna and yeah. Laverne, they're responsible for doing it themselves. But, you know, if we did not have a local landfill, um, the cost of disposal for your household trash would be significantly higher because all that trash would be sent off somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so rather than 750 a month if, month if you're in the city, you know, we've looked at services as far as recovery of what it cost us to recover and you may be paying to transport twenty-five, thirty dollars a month for, at a minimum, you know, uh, but you waste. You have to worry about your neighbors. You do. I mean, we're a community, so we have to do that. But you got to remember. Let me tell you a history. On okay. That. All right. Let, <laughs> tell me. Four hundred acres, out in Las Casas. Okay. The county decided that they were going to have that, so that when something happened to the landfill where it is they would be able to move the landfill over at Las Casas. Really? 400 acres. How did that go over? Uh, not there very was well a, in Las Casas. There was a major protest in Las Casas. <laughs> I'm not surprised. That, that's why MTSU ha, has their um, uh, agricultural place over there. Oh, is it the pig farm? Is that what it is? Dairy is farm. Dairy farm? Pig farm. Yeah, I thought there was a pig farm <laughs> close to the landfill. Did you go to... I don't spend a lot of time out there. To did be you honest. go to MTSU? I did, yes, oh. sir. It's a t- long time ago. Educate him a little bit, Janet. <laughs> it's a long time ago that he went to MTSU. Yeah. You were you were young back during that time. Mm-hmm. You probably don't remember mm-hmm. much of it, but Mom and Dad, Bobby and Larry, <laughs> remember it. I guarantee you. Where was this site? This 400 acres? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. It's down there, right off the river. If you go down, uh, um, what, what's the the road, Janie? Um, off of um, off of Las Casas Road, you turn, for coming from town, you turn right after the, the bridge, right there at the store. What's the name Givens? of the road? Givens? Browns Mill. Browns Mill Road. Browns Thank you Mill. very much. Okay. You go down Browns Mill Road, and uh, uh, it, it's sitting down there. Of course, what, that's where MTSU has their, uh, um, I, I guess, agricultural science area. Yeah, I was, you remember, I was in the business school, so I didn't, I didn't do the ag science, so I don't. I don't have that much but it, knowledge. But it, it is really an enigma. It, it's, a, it's a terrible thing to have to deal with because there are so many positive things to it, but there's also a lot of negative things. And um, how, how do you protect... I hate... I, I still hate riding, riding on that Jefferson, Jefferson. bike. I mm-hmm. hate riding on that road. Mm-hmm. And I feel so sorry. I, th- I think about the people who, who live out there that have to put up with that. Uh, I can remember when we, uh, Jackie and I lived uh, over in, in uh, uh, off of uh, uh, River Bend, mm-hmm. and uh, there would be some times that I could smell the, the process going on mm-hmm. o- over there. And, and it's not even close to what they have to put up with over there on the other side. H- how, how do you uh, make amends and of course, you guys didn't do it, and I remember when it was done. Right. And uh, how do you make amends for those type things? But uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just, uh, it seems like there has to be something that can be done for this community I, because it, it is dangerous. You you have truck after truck after truck over there just roaring through, going over there. You know, I, I think 
So one thing that I think a lot of people do not know for listeners, which is helpful, uh, it was helpful for me to learn, is that, believe it or not, there is no regulation or um, guideline associated with odor control uh, for a landfill. So um, it can smell as bad as you want and or as bad as it can possibly be. And there's really not a good remedy for citizens um, related to that. So I think... Um, having good uh, community partners from the standpoint of of creating the awareness and this is going to sound extremely obvious but of how bad and how potent that odor is on occasion from the oh, landfill yeah. and how republic can be a good community partner understanding that you know they're in a they're in a trashy business and um are they really a good neighbor you know i don't truman that's a great question i don't know that i've got enough information to answer that what I can say is if you judge them by the smell of the landfill, it'd be real easy to say no. Yeah. But we're also getting uh, your your trash disposal for $7.50 in the city of Murfreesboro, and that's cheaper than anywhere else. See, I have a hard time with that, though. Yeah. I, look, I agree. I mean, I'm just answering the question. I think, I think it's hard if you were paying, and I think the question is, at least in my mind, is it worth paying 30 or $35 a month? to not have that odor in our community. I think most people would probably say yes. Mm -hmm. And then you start thinking about the impact on some people who, you know, uh, are not going to be able to afford 30 or $35 a month mm -hmm. because there are some of those people. And yeah. so, you know, do we, do we have larger litter issues than we currently have when you start having to pay more for disposal? I think the answer is yes, you would. Uh, I'm not defending Republic. I'm not suggesting that we should deal with the odor. All I'm going to say is the landfill, landfill has been here for a long time. Uh, and I think what we're trying to figure out now is, are we dealing with an issue that the larger it gets, the larger the smell grows proportionally, right? And, and a possibility of, uh, of some type of poisoning going into the, to the rivers and all those things. I think that's always the fear. Truman probably knows better than me. I don't. I mean, it was a county landfill before, it, yeah. you know, BFI before that. I'm I don't sorry. remember when it went in. I have heard when Nancy Allen was county mayor that happened, uh, the transition from a county landfill to a private landfill, but that may not be right. Do you remember, Truman? I think you're right. Um, it was either her or John Mink, and, and I can't remember exactly uh, the specific time. But I, I, I was there when they made the change, and, and uh, I was very worried about it at, the, at that particular time. And a lot of other people were, simply because you're putting, uh, a lot of times, your health in the hands of people who are really not from here. I mean... Private industry is private what you're industry. saying. Private industry, right. yeah. And it, it's a long way from here, so... But it, it, trash is, it, is such a terrible-type situation to deal with, I mean, New York, I mean, look, they'd put their trash on ships and, mm -hmm. and, and send them out. It, it, it's uh, Nobody has come up with the perfect solution. We hear about all of these uh, particular type of things to get rid of waste, but nothing seems to, to come forward. I just keep wondering about what the future is going to be as far as the waste bill up here in, in Rutherford County, and, and if the cities and the county are actually 
because that that that's that's a big decision that has to be taken care of and surely uh, we have major studies going on to see if there is anything um, scientifically that that we can do with, with the buildup well look there are a lot of solutions out there um, what I think I know about that has come from Darren Gore, who you've met, he's over um, utility director over water and sewer and um, over solid waste as well. But, you know, I, I think the issue is until um, as long as it is possible to bury trash, it is the low cost method of doing that. So it's the cheapest solution that there is until we decide as a, you know, city county state country that covering trash is no longer an acceptable um, method for dealing with solid waste I think you're going to continue to have landfills but you know there are a lot of programs out there um, that find more creative ways to recycle find ways to um, dispose of the solid waste whether it be um, you know, we went, I uh, can't remember what this is called, this is terrible, but uh, we went to Gatlinburg or Sevierville for a uh, composting, that's the word I'm trying to think of. Uh, we, we saw that facility where, you know, the actual garbage food is, is processed and turned into a soil amendment and, and there's some other byproducts that go into that where it can be used for um, sort of farming, irrigation type, you know, soil amendment. So, all there are just a ton of options you know recycling we do not have we have a recycling program in Murfreesboro and in the county you know recycle Rutherford but those things have not taken off and in my mind it's this balancing equation between the cost of recycling the the effort of recycling because it takes some additional effort rather than the ease of just throwing it in a trash can and somebody coming to pick it up and and you go bury it and so I think as long as that convenience factor um, is, as long as it's not as convenient to recycle, as long as it is more expensive to recycle, I think those are barriers to trying to get out of the trash covering up business. Isn't it a shame that everything comes down to the dollar? Yeah, I, I assume it's probably always been that way. <laughs> but I, I would think that uh, give everybody a, a, an opportunity to be educated as to what's going on with, right. with that trash business, maybe uh, it'll open a lot of eyes and enlighten a lot of people. Sometimes you you, you have to take the tough way, and uh, if you if you drive out there on Jefferson Pike, and Janie knows exactly what I'm talking about out there, it's terrible. Yeah. It really is. That yeah. They they put. We put those people in danger out there. We really do, in enough more ways than one. <coughs> Ow, what was that? Sorry about that. Yeah. Every time Terry and I drive down through there, I, we say we could never live here. Is yeah. that the danger of the trucks you're talking about or just the smell or? It's everything. Everything. Hmm. Yeah. But um, I, I saw it in the paper the other day. I, I saw the headline. I don't ever read the paper. But uh, it, it, um, it, it, at least someone is calling attention to it. Yeah. And, and 
somebody's going to have to make some decisions. That's just all there is to it. Well, look, I, I give the county commission a lot of credit. Um, I was surprised they um, – what people don't know, and again, I'm not an expert on this, but what I think I understand about the most recent conversation um, related to the landfill and Republic is um, that they applied through TDEC to – uh, expand the landfill on the existing property that they own. So basically, they're saying, hey, we've got some land over here. We want to continue to expand it to this space. There's there's another conversation about um, expanding the landfill by acquiring new land and expanding the total footprint of the landfill. So two different conversations. But I think what the county commission did by basically having a unanimous vote that they wanted to send a, a message to, um, you know, not only the the landfill operator, but to um, maybe provide some hope, like you're saying, uh, in a uniform and united fashion to the county residents that, you know, we don't want the landfill to expand, whether it be on property they currently own or, or even through the possible acquisition of yeah. new property. And so I think the way that was done, um, my understanding of it is that you know, the uh, Republic applied through TDEC to do that expansion, and we sort of found out about it. Uh, the county and city leadership sort of found out about it after it was done, and it prompted the county commission to, you know, to send a resolution to do that. And, you know, our mayor brought the same thing up to us at council, wanted, wanted us to do that or suggested we do that. And at the time, this is always the case in government. When I was at this workshop meeting, I had not even heard of the expansion. So it literally had happened evidently the day before or, or something. It hadn't been in the paper yet. I wasn't aware of it. And so we took the posture of, you know, we'd like for a public to come in and have a conversation and tell us what they're doing before we just vote on something that we don't understand. Um, and in the meantime, you know, that thing kind of exploded. Um, and, and, and the county commission has since uh, made that vote and, and said, we don't want you here. And I think most people in our community agree with that. You know, we, don't, we do not want the landfill to be larger. I think that's a pretty easy vote. Um, but specifically, the city of Murfreesboro does not have any approval authority over that. And, of course, a lot of that expansion means that they will be dealing with more communities bringing uh, those trucks in more and more yeah and uh i can't see anything but negative about it and i think most of the residents feel that way and uh i'm i'm willing to pay more i i i go out i take i pack all of my uh trash and i take it out to uh Bradeville pike they they have a convenience, convenience center, center there mm -hmm. and they do such really a good job it, uh, once a week, uh, uh, 30 minutes out of my day, it, it's it's well worth it. But uh, if they can come up with a solution that will clean our community up a whole lot better, I think most people would be for that. I agree with you. Um, so no debate on that point whatsoever. Yeah. I totally agree. Now, uh, this is something we can debate about. All right. Pinnacle Bank. Yes, sir. Probably the strongest bank, I think, in, in, in Middle Tennessee. Yep. And the, most people that are there uh, representing Pinnacle Bank are local people, mm -hmm. which that's what that's one of the biggest attractions. And, of course, you and Jan are uh, a big reason why that, that uh, I'm there uh, with my 5% interest rate. 
<laughs> Thanks, Truman. Yeah. Don't tell anybody you're borrowing. Right don't tell anybody you're borrowing at ten. If you're yeah, paying, yeah. if you're earning five, you're borrowing at ten. Yes, yeah. Thank you very much. But let's look at the future of Pinnacle Bank. Mm -hmm. How many stories are you going up there? At, with the new building, and, so, and when were you going? When are you going to finish all this stuff? So uh, my understanding is that 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 building will be a two-story building, and uh, I believe it will be finished before year end. So you'll have a brand new office downtown to go to. Mm -hmm. Come come drink your coffee. Um, are, are you allowing customers, new and old customers, to come in the building now? Yes, we we have, uh, and Jan may have to help me on this a little bit, but we have done a phased reopening. Um, of course, all the offices closed um, when COVID, when the pandemic hit, and, and that was as much about protecting customers as it was protecting our employees to make sure that we could stay open because banks are an essential business. You do not want you know, uh, a virus running through the employees and all the employees being at home and you not being able to get to the bank and, and do business. So there were certain protocols that we had to put in place uh, as an essential business yeah. um, that we've done. And so, you know, now that we have a vaccine, now that the the vaccine is widely available, um, I know all of us are, are vaccinated, which is good. It gives you some confidence in uh, the somewhat return to normalcy um, yeah. we've done a phased reopening and so i think all of our branches will be open maybe by june um across the footprint does that sound right so. um so we're slowly kind of getting back into that process but i anticipate by the time the new office is complete um everything should be open and unless something bad happens that nobody can predict in the meantime well when i go into a bank i want to look directly into the eyes of the people just like here we we we're all friends right i mean we we all trust each other and i have a great confidence in you but if i go into a bank and and i'm dealing money mm -hmm. and the person that i'm dealing with eyes keep drifting back and forth side to side i get a little worried <laughs> That's so law I, enforcement. I wanna, That's law I, enforcement coming out of yeah, here. It, it is. <laughs> so uh, I, even at, at any level in a bank, I like to have friendship with the people. Absolutely. That I do business. Absolutely. With. And and that's one good thing about Pinnacle. But I think you guys are missing the boat a little bit. We're going to take a quick break, but you need to go up at least five. We'll talk about that when you come back. Six. Yep. All right. We're going to take a break. This is Lisa Halliburton with Bell Jewelers. Remember, Mother's Day is coming up May the 9th. And at Bell Jewelers, we have some specials on our jewelry just in time for Mother's Day. And we have partnered with some local businesses. When you just spend $99 or more, you'll receive some free gifts. Remember, Mother's Day is coming up May the 9th. That's Bell Jewelers, 821 Northwest Broad Street, right across the street from Toots Restaurant. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work or saving for the future, let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website, heritagesouth.org, to learn more. 
insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. This is Scott. It's now time to make your health a priority with a quick and easy health assessment at Low T Center where they exclusively specialize in us men and they follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. And they are one of the leading men's medical providers in the country. Low T Center has really reinvented the doctor's visit and they make it quick and easy for us men to get in and get all of our levels checked out, not just our testosterone. It starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment so you know all your numbers that are important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, have noticed weight gain or loss of muscle mass, they could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now they offer monitored self-inject at home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety. $135 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. So book your annual wellness exam today. Go to LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. MTSU Arts, together with Ascend Federal Credit Union, presents the MTSU Dance Program's Spring Concert. Our talented students and faculty are working together on safely bringing this performance to the Tucker Theater stage from April 22nd through April 24th. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts for more information on virtual showtimes. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts to learn more today. An update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. MTSU will be front and center at the historic Indy car race this summer in downtown Nashville. The crash barriers that line the course, they're concrete. There's over 1,600 of them that are going to line the raceway. And all of those have to be manufactured locally because they are very expensive to transport. So we're making them locally. That was Dr. Kelly Strong, professor and first-year director of the MTSU School of Concrete and Construction Management. The Music City Grand Prix will be held August 6th, 7th, and 8th in downtown Nashville. The local library system could receive additional funding thanks to the American Rescue Plan. Total funding from the act nationwide comes to $1.9 trillion. It will be dispersed to a long list of agencies across the country in multiple ways, so details on how library systems like the one in Rutherford County will receive the money is still not readily available, as different libraries will have to apply to receive funds. Amanda, who is with the Rutherford County Library, tells News Radio WGNS. The funding package also provides billions of dollars for academic, public, and school library-eligible programs including the Emergency Education Connectivity Fund through the federal E-Rate program. The local library system is back open to the regular schedule, but masks and social distancing are strongly encouraged. Meal donations are needed to help with the TSSAA Spring Fling event next month. As a sign of Southern hospitality, the Convention and Visitors Bureau will again be providing more than 700 meals during the championship week for officials, media, and event staff. If you're interested in helping the Chamber of Commerce with Spring Fling, email Dawn Nasuri. Her email address is on our website, wgnsradio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Preferred Precision Group, an international manufacturing company, is now hiring full-time positions in Smyrna, Tennessee. They have open positions for material handlers, tugger operators, repackers, and forklift operators. Ranges from $13.25 to $17 per hour. Enjoy the great benefits and overtime. Call or text 615 615- 
347-9579. Join Preferred Precision Group, an equal opportunity employer. Discount Mattress is on the move, and great news for you. To reduce moving costs, all remaining inventory is being liquidated. Stop in today at 1614 Northwest Broad Street near the Georgetown Kroger to take advantage of the huge price reductions on their already discounted prices. Discount Mattress has been serving Murfreesboro's mattress needs since 2001, is locally owned and operated, and excited to offer these reduced prices prior to their move. Don't wait. Stop by today. Discount Mattress at the corner of Northwest Broad and Northfield. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Mainly sunny this afternoon, high in the mid-70s. Increasing clouds tonight, chance of seeing a few showers. Low to you, 36. Wednesday, increasing sun, I have 55. I'm Laura Lockwood on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 50. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Popcorn Pop Fresh Daily, their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Calvary Bank, the pinnacle. What year was that? I mean, I mean you, you Are we weren't there. Are arguing about how tall the wheeling is going to be? Oh, yeah. You, uh, want to, you want to talk about that or you want to? Well, I just want yeah, to go sure. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think, I can, and this is only, we'll have to uh, get Bill Jones to come back on to clarify some of these things because he, he's the one that actually knows these answers. But um, what I think is that, you know, we built, Pinnacle built a brand new office on Medical Center Parkway. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just did that. Yeah. And 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 actually, there was some portion of that where there was some overlap between construction of Medical Center Parkway while we were planning to do the downtown location. Mm-hmm. My guess is um, that was just a a pure decision of we're only going to make X amount of investments since we're doing two of these at the same time. Yeah. So it probably limited the need or even the desire to build a three, four, five, six-story building um, mm-hmm. because, you know, um, I, I don't know that Pinnacle necessarily needed that space based on the Miller-Lowry building being right across the street, yeah. uh, Miller-Lowry Insurance. And so, you know, they may not have wanted to get into a, a, a lease standpoint where they were leasing square footage or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know, but that's a Bill Jones question. We'll get him back on and you can ask him that. You need to, to bring Bill with you one day. We'll do that. Because... Um, that's that's a major one of the questions I have uh, when we start talking about uh, uh, the levels of the building is is it being built so it can be adjusted and added on to in the future as as the building grows. I don't think that's the case based on looking at the architecture of the building. It's yeah. not a it's not a square that can be stacked. Yeah. Um, it's it's a little more modern, I think, in architecture, which I think would make that difficult. Nothing's impossible, but yeah. I don't think it's being designed to do that. But again, I can't speak with certainty. But that. that that is the heart of of the bank right there. Uh, you have uh, a, a number of uh, like I can do bi- business uh, over off Manchester Highway mm-hmm. and, and those type things. But 
when people start coming in and they're wanting to grow with the bank itself, mm -hmm. they will most, mostly go to the downtown area, won't they? Well, I think the benefit that um, that you have with having a, a main office, uh, which is sort of what I would describe the hub from as yeah. far as where we are downtown, You've got in that building, um, you've got Miller-Lowry Beach Insurance Services, you've got a trust division, you've got a mortgage division, a lot of the operational support um, that all of us need at the bank is located there. Uh, in addition, you've got a retail uh, office where you can come in and interact with tellers and you know uh, branch managers, the, the folks that are actually opening accounts. You can do all of that in the same building. And then you've got commercial lenders and what I would call the executive team, the leadership team uh, locally. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you have that central brain, if you will, um, for lack of a better word, and then all of our um, satellite office locations provide convenience and an expanded <coughs> footprint so that you don't have to come downtown to do everything that you do. You can come downtown when you want to or when you need to, mm -hmm. but most of the time those are few and far between trips. What you really need is the convenience of having something closer to where you live where you don't have to come all the way into town. So, you know, I think Pinnacle and Calvary before that did a really good job if you, uh, and, and this is something that I did before we actually came to uh, Pinnacle Bank, is when you start thinking about, hey, I might be interested in, in making a professional change, mm -hmm. um, where should I look to do that and, and, and where would I want to go to know that it's a place that the culture fits, you know, from the standpoint of the, th the values that you have, um, how you want to be treated, how you want your clients to be treated, the offering that you have both from technology and products and location associated mm -hmm. with you know, if, if we have clients uh, northwest, south, east in the city, um, how far are they going to need to go to find a bank if they were to do that? And, you know, uh, Pinnacle was just, when you, you pull out of a map and look at where they're located, both from a standpoint of ATMs and physical branch locations, mm -hmm. you could just see where it was a very thoughtful approach to making investments in Rutherford County, and I think Pinnacle has done that across the footprint, but where they have said strategically, this is where we want to be uh, to provide convenience to our clients, and you know, um, just can't say enough good things about the people there. I mean, you know, we're we're still relatively new. When you, <laughs> the the good and uh, one of the challenge, one of the good things and one of the challenging things about going to a place like Pinnacle is. Everybody has been there so long that mm -hmm. until you've been there 10 years, you're brand new. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, Which is a great thing. It is a great thing for, for continuity, for the culture. It's a great thing for clients. But, uh, you know, uh, Peggy uh, is having a 40-year anniversary that she's been at the bank for 40 years. Bless her heart. She's a good lady, too. Oh, she's great. But, yeah. you know, as and, – and I think we're very, for the most part, you know, we went to – Pinnacle, um, I guess, 14, 16 months ago, something like that, mm -hmm. and five of us came from First Bank, and, you know, everybody's really, really happy. Everybody enjoys um, the, the culture and the, the family environment that we have there, but we've been there a year. We still feel like we're brand new because everybody there has been there for, for so long, so it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a nice, warm place to be.
I think that that's the real strength of a bank is their relationship with the local community. And, and they have found that out. I have actually watched those things change and grow for the last 40-something, 50-something years. And, and it's it's been remarkable to watch it. And one thing I, I was thinking about while, while you were talking is being the heart of the community and the strength you have all these big corporations starting to come into this area. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times, as we've known in, in the past, they've reached out to New York and all these other places mm-hmm. for their investments and things like that. But things are changing really rapidly right now, aren't they? The, they they want to come in some uh, in, into communities that are growing like we are here in, in Middle Tennessee. And they want to be a part of the expansion, and they want to be a part of knowing that their investments are safe and going to grow, even in this particular atmosphere. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think one of the things that Pinnacle has done very, very well is that, you know, as you start a bank from scratch and start to grow it, um, it, it's a constant challenge between – investments you make in the business Mm -hmm. right so pinnacle is a size bank where um you know it would be very easy and a lot of banks do this um where they do not invest in technology in some of the products the way um you need to do so that if you wanted to provide the absolute best experience to a small business Mm -hmm. uh, that might have let's call it you know, half a million dollars in revenue or a million dollars in revenue a year up to a company that has $500 million in revenue a year. So very different operating models. Those businesses look very, very different. But to have a local community bank that has the scale and has the sophistication to say, you know, we can handle um, the smallest business Mm -hmm. to the largest business without a sacrifice in service or product offering, without a sacrifice in technology. And, um, you know, again, keep talking about this, but it's just really impressive. If if you wanted to um, come into the bank and open a checking account, obviously we can do that. But there's just so much more we can do um, from the standpoint of insurance services, trust and investment services. Uh, as your business were to grow and you'd have the need for uh, capital markets, uh, potentially business evaluation, um, you know, we do syndication loans that allow us to partner with other banks and would allow us to, you know, as your company was growing, one of the things that um, – small companies learn about their local banks as they become large companies is at some point you can outgrow uh, a small local bank. Uh, It'd be very difficult to outgrow Pinnacle Bank because of the size that it is today and again the sophistication that we have. So if you started out at a you know million dollar revenue company and turned into that 500 million dollar revenue company there'd be no reason that Pinnacle Bank couldn't offer you anything else a bank in New York or you know, Atlanta or anywhere else could offer. So, one thing that really impressed me, because I've always been impressed with them, uh, uh, I go all the way back to uh, Ed Jr. and uh, him taking care of me. But you could, I, one thing that, that bothers people my age is how are my kids and grandkids going to be taken care of? Mm. And uh, uh, Barb, mm-hmm. uh, 
she she knew that so she called me one day and set me down and had everything taken care of once I croak then she's she's going to uh, uh, the bank has everything switched over without the kids having to worry about anything yep. and P-O-D. it was uh, you guys, y'all are young. You don't know how satisfying it is to know that all of that's going to be done w- without them having to worry about it. I, I really do think that's one of the special things that I, I think we feel very fortunate to be a part of. And, you know, there are a lot of times that um, that the day-to-day business of what you do uh, pulls you away from or, or has the potential to pull you away from serving clients mm-hmm. from you know what we enjoy about the work that we do which is making a difference in people's lives adding value to people's lives and I think Pinnacle's done an exceptionally good job at prioritizing what our focus is to be um, you know we're a business like any other business and there are expectations in business where you have to perform but that doesn't mean that you have to make sacrifices in terms of how you treat people, how you serve people, uh, looking out for people's best interest. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a way you can do both of those things. And I think Pinnacle, from a culture standpoint, really shows how that can be done. Are the stimulus things over with or what What are we doing now? Because you guys had a 100% record as far as taking care of the people. You know, we had a big win. I, I, thank you for saying that. You've given us uh, a lot of credit. Jan did a whole lot of work, yeah. and the whole team has done a whole lot of work. And Pinnacles, you know, it, I will tell you that that has been a, um, a tale of two cities, if you will, in the extent that it has been an extremely frustrating time for everyone yes. to try to figure out how to do that well and and really because we didn't know how to do it well just to be honest but we just finished round two of ppp i say we've just finished um the the ending period to apply for a ppp loan for the second draw i think is may 31st mm-hmm. um but we have all of our clients that applied through us both the first round and second round they were all approved um they've all been funded we've been able to handle all that we had a I won't mention it by name, but we had our one problem child that we'd been working through that was a really difficult uh, situation that a very close friend of mine, somebody I've known for a long, long time. But the second, the hurdle to get a second round PPP loan was a little higher than the first round hurdle. Mm-hmm. And that was because everybody got better. Everybody had more information. There were some changes in the approval process from SBA and from Washington. But um, so it was the second round from an approval standpoint was in some ways harder than the first Hmm. um, because there were some, you know, the criteria changed a little bit and the SBA had had an opportunity to have the first round as a learning opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the second phase of that, um, their guard was up a little more where folks had applied or maybe shouldn't have applied or maybe didn't qualify. Yeah. Um, But, you know, very, very thankful for the team we've got at Pinnacle, uh, especially behind the scenes that worked hard to help us. Um, it was very hard having a lot of those customer-facing decisions where uh, clients were understandably concerned about their loans, needed their loans um, to make payroll, to pay rent. So it was hard to have some of those face-to-face interactions because in a lot of cases, we were having to say, hey, please, 
please be, bear with us. Be patient. Yeah. This is all we know today. But to answer your question, everybody that, that we've worked on and, and our small team um, has has been approved, has been funded. Um, our, our Pinnacle staff deserves a lot of credit for that. They did a good job um, helping us be a resource to clients. But um, that portal, that second round is open until May 31st or until the money runs out. Now where we will head to is everyone that has not applied for forgiveness uh, for the PPP loans, whether it be round one or the beginning of round two. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is that's where we'll spend a lot of the, the fall, the summer and the fall working through that, trying to get these loans forgiven to meet the documentation hurdles and criteria from the SBA and from um, Washington of what we're required to do so that these are forgivable loans. How successful were we in saving small businesses during this pandemic? I know that uh, there are a lot of harsh things thrown on the small businesses here, but people like you guys, Pinnacle, and some of the others, I, I, I know that you made it a little bit more likely to get through this pandemic with with all the the pressures that were being put on the small businesses you know I, I think we had we like anything in life anything difficult that you face um, hopefully you can come away with some um, some learning some little nuggets of wisdom in that and I think one of the things we learned was that um, there were many businesses that were specific to um, um, hospitality, uh, restaurant, hotel, those types of things mm-hmm. that um, were impacted in a very, very significant way yeah. because of the pandemic, as you could imagine. But what I think COVID showed us was there were, like always exist in business, there are some institutions that do it better than others. Uh, there are some institutions that fundamentally probably have more staying power, whether that be because they have reserves, liquidity reserves, cash mm-hmm. reserves, or whether it be because they just have a better business um, and and customers respond better to that business. And so, you know, I, I think, and this is always unfortunate, but I think some businesses that were probably struggling um, were, were probably not savable because uh, they were struggling before the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I think those yeah. businesses really struggled. But we were directly involved in making PPP loans for some businesses that used the pandemic to evaluate their own business, and they made some changes to their business. And so um, a couple of restaurant examples, uh, which, you know, comes to mind because those places were hit very hard. You can imagine if you're if if you can't come in and you have to stay six feet apart and you have to wear a mask try running a restaurant where you're there to eat. I mean, that's a, that's a tough deal. Yeah. Um, and so we had businesses that changed their model from 100% revenue for, for in-room dining experiences to where they would um, – um, they expanded and they, they purchased a food truck, for example, mm-hmm. and would go out into communities and serve communities. Um, they would uh, expand through meal prep. So instead of uh, you having to come in and sit in the restaurant, you could order food online and come and pick up your meal prep. And, um, you know, it, it just it put a lot of pressure on the businesses to say, what can I do from an entrepreneurial standpoint to stay alive during this time? And 
you know, a lot of the businesses, while they struggled, while it was hard, really came out stronger after the pandemic because they got better during the pandemic because they had to. I have noticed, though, um, I'm not telling on anybody. Yep. But a lot of the uh, restaurants, especially, did not adhere to those close contact rules. And they got stronger and stronger in the uh, relationship to their patrons uh, seemed to get stronger. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, 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 people, of course, you know how I am. I, I don't conform to anything. <laughs> but it, 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 really, it really made me happy. I yeah. mean, I, I like to see that kind of... Uh, Americanism, you mm. might say. People, uh, the, they still value uh, their freedoms and all the things, and they love to take care of their customers. And I've seen, uh, it, it's amazing how you could go in one restaurant that was strictly uh, had people spaced apart and all that. Right. You would see very few people coming in. But the other ones that were more liberal, you might, I don't, I hate, well, I'm not liberal in, in a political sense. There it is. Not liberal there in a political is. sense, believe me. But uh, it was just the opposite, of course. But um, it, it, it seems like they, they became stronger yeah. during all of that. You know, I, I think the takeaway I would take from that would be that um, we had choices. Uh, there were some um, businesses that gave us freedoms to do some of those things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, look, the, the whole mask uh, wearing thing was a very contentious, tough, politicized. And it and Stanford did a study, Stanford they did. University, and said that uh, that's the worst thing that, that we could do is wear a mask. And, and I understand the concerns with those things. Yeah. I think... I think creating an environment where people get to choose whether they want to wear a mask because they perceive... That's what was taken away from us. I, in some cases, right? Yeah, um, yeah across the country, it, it, I mean, there was some violence over it where they, well, they pretty much did it. Well, here's what I can tell you. Um, I, I understand both sides of that argument, and I would Explain say... Explain both sides of the argument, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you that at the height of the pandemic, when before we had a vaccine mm -hmm. and when there was a shutdown and we were closed and you couldn't go out and they said stay at home and all those sorts of things, I can remember uh, going to Lowe's or Home Depot like lots of people did mm -hmm. uh, because they couldn't go anywhere and they couldn't do anything. So they were going and doing home projects, right? Mm -hmm. I can't go anywhere, so let me go do this. I can remember standing in the Lowe's, uh, uh, actually I think I was at Home Depot, in the line to get in the store when they would only let so many people go into the store. Yeah. And there was a guy behind me and, uh, and you know, I was resistant to wearing a mask, um, you know, in the beginning and, and I've sort of adapted um, because I, we've talked about this. It was you more, weakened. It's well, it was really more about, um, and you know, this is just me. It was more about being sensitive to the way others felt because I felt like that was fair and reasonable uh, and something I should do. Well, it's just true. Yeah. But I can tell you when I was in line at Home Depot and there was a guy that walked up behind me and did not have a mask on mm -hmm. and everybody else in the line had a mask on and he was not respecting that six foot boundary and got about two feet from me. I said something to him. I said, hey, do you mind backing up? Because in my mind, I don't know this guy. And why does he not have a mask on? And why is he standing close to me? So I, 
you know, I, I he, think, he he told me I, I talked to that guy. <laughs> you sent him. Yeah, there, probably. He, he he started to take you down. But I it, it, wish he would have tried. <laughs> He didn't realize you're working out at the Mac every morning, I'm, did he? I'm, we're in a training group, and yeah. Truman leads the pack. Yeah. So. <laughs> Truman leads the pack. Where were you been this week, by the way? I've been you. there every morning except this morning, oh, but okay. I was out late uh, for me uh, with, with with the ladies and and, boy. and, and Greg and Mitri. Uh, boy. Uh, well, my special ladies. Oh, okay. Those ladies. Too. Should I tell we talk you what, about this on the air? We probably should talk <laughs> about this. Janie <laughs> takes care of you. She does. I had a number of ladies that took care of me at the SO to make sure that oh. everything was done properly there. Yeah. And um, it, it was a... Uh, you never forget them. You'll remember Jan for your whole life for I what will. she's unforgettable. Done for she you. is unforgettable. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then these ladies. I mean, they really. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, I do a prayer for them. Uh, they are. They've uh, given so much to our community in Rutherford County, uh, and uh, we about about every two or three months we will all get together and. And share time, and and, and of course Greg and Mentriad have been added to our group, and just really had uh, friendship is the number one thing in the world. It really is. As long as you love people, you'll always be able to get through, and it, and it does make a difference. But I can't stand to be told what to do. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, and I think most people feel that way. As long as they have the freedom of choice. Then I think that pretty much takes in everything. Y'all went to the Chop House last night. Yeah, we went to Chop House. That's my favorite. We're probably going to lunch there today. <laughs> okay. Uh, tell, uh, order the S H R O D, the Shrode. Okay, listen, I get the same thing every time I go. Oh That's really? Not have, so it's not that. <laughs> pasta, light on the broccoli, um, but uh, or extra cooked broccoli. Extra cooked. Extra broccoli, cooked broccoli. And none of the other crap. In none there. of the other stuff. Oh, the, I mean, the food was just out of this world last night. It's always it, good when we go. Yeah, and the atmosphere is good there. Mm-hmm. And so that Schrode is what you said. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I, I say that Schroeder. wrong. Schrode or... It's a fish. Yeah, it is a fish, yeah. but I say it wrong, so I'm not even sure. How do you say it? I really Schroeder? badly, after hearing that, I think I call it Schrode, which is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know what it was. So. I have no clue what it is. Schrode. So you're taking Janie out to eat today? Uh, no, Probably I have. our whole team is going. <laughs> I have lunch plans at 11:45. So. So we'll go tomorrow. So we'll go tomorrow. That's a, that's what Jan says. It would be nice. Uh, how, how many people work uh, with you at the bank? Well, we have at that footprint. There are probably, if you count everybody that's on there, a couple hundred people, maybe. Good night. Um, but. We've got a smaller team that we came with it at First Bank. Well, what size is your team? It's four plus one, four and a half. Those it's are the ones you have the closest relationship with. Today, yeah. Yeah. And if Bill is listening, which he probably is, mm-hmm. he probably knows that you're on today in case you make a mistake. I'm sure. <laughs> Bill should take you guys out to eat. Regularly. And, and, and go over to the chop house. At least once a week. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> It, it wouldn't bother him a bit. I'm sure. It, it's a write-off. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here yeah. we go. Notice I have not said one word in this conversation. <laughs> so anything anything interesting going on that we haven't um, You know, I'll circle back to this Blackman Park conversation. Um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about that, and one of the things that 
That came up in planning commission a few weeks ago. My guess is it will be on the city council agenda this week. I've not seen the agenda yet. But we will have to make a or a decision about whether or not we are going to uh, change the use of that uh, park site and allow it to be developed for economic development for office and retail. And um, there's a lot of strong opinions about that. And um, you know, you, you go back to why we purchased the property, what we said we were going to do with it, mm -hmm. and then if we change our minds about that, you know, that causes issues for some people because you said you were going to do one thing and, and now you're doing something else. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, the other thing that I'm really interested in that I think is uh, an intriguing thought is we were not planning to, in the immediate call it year or two, uh, to build a park in Blackman. It just wasn't in the uh, prioritization for the capital improvement plan. It was a few years off, let's just say. Um, but now that park project is being brought to the forefront for us to move forward on an, an additional site that we have in Blackman. And, you know, you start asking yourself, well, why are we doing that? Well, I think the reason we're doing that is because there's going to be some public outcry that, hey, you're taking our park site and you're developing it for commercial development rather than building a park. And you yeah. said you were going to build a park. So I think moving forward on the park at this point is really a justification for what we would like to do or what we think is the best use with this park site. Um, but my question is and will be, um, is, is building a park today the right thing for us to do for Murfreesboro on the west side of town? And I feel like the decision we're making, we're sort of boxing ourselves in by saying, because we want to do this with the park site, we think it's the best thing to go ahead and do that. When the reality is, before this opportunity came up, we didn't necessarily think it was best to, uh, to do the park at this point. And, and so if you're a west side resident, for example, trying to get uh, either on the interstate or to the north side of town or to, you know, the center of Murfreesboro, mm -hmm. you really have in that west side area, you have Old Fort Parkway, Highway 96, and you have Highway 99, which are kind of the two gateways into the core. Mm -hmm. um, there has been some discussion about what the cost would be to add uh, two direct access bridges across the interstate that could basically improve local traffic flow so that all of the traffic in um, the Blackman area, for example, mm -hmm. doesn't have to be funneled through um, Medical Center, um, Old Fort Parkway, or Highway 99, that, that it could have some interlocal traffic by having non-interchange access across the interstate. Rough math, uh, what we've been told is those numbers are about $25 million a piece to do a bridge across the interstate where you can basically go from, let's call it um, uh, Old Fort Parkway area to um, downtown Murfreesboro without having to get on those in interstate interchanges. What would be the building time of that? I don't know the answer to that. If I had to guess, um, a few years based on... Uh, TDOT approval to go across the interstate to actually build it, etc. But my point is, we've talked about the, the cost of Blackman Park being about $45 million. Yeah. Is it better for Murfreesboro to have two 
infrastructure improvements rather than building a park for the west side residents and so there's been some conversation about you know getting a group together on the west side to see what they think about that because what we have said as a council is we're prioritizing infrastructure uh, we're, we're playing catch up for some things kind of paying for the growth that we've had to make sure that we improve traffic flow well in my mind it would be very hard for me to argue that investing in two bridges to improve local traffic would not be money better spent than building a park on the west side of town but having said that um, what would be the future of that if we went away from the park issue mm -hmm. into the, the business community over there and how is it going to relate back to the public you know i think it's a, gr a great question and one clarification it would to me it would not mean that we, it's either or it's when you do it. So um, because the park was not on the immediate CIP plan to do in the next year or two, um, you know, do we advance these infrastructure projects, which is what we've consistently done, we've prioritized to try to improve some of the traffic flow in town and keep the Blackman Park concept. It's, it's not that I'm opposed to that. I mean, I think there's a good argument to be made for um, amenities and recreation for the west side residents because mm -hmm. we've got some of that on the north side. We've got Barfield on the south side of town. We probably need an amenity for the citizens on that side. But I just know, having grown up in Blackman and having lived in that area a long time, I think people would rather um, their daily lives be improved uh, from a traffic flow standpoint um, rather than, I mean, let's be honest, not everybody goes to a park, but everybody drives a car. Most everybody Depends drives on how a car. old you are. That's probably true. Because once they start all that traffic mess over there, um, it's going to be a while. Well, and, and it makes things worse during that building and construction time. It does, but what you don't want to do is to say, hey, let's not make a long-term improvement for short-term pain. Now, mm -hmm. you may say that, um, but, you know, we've constantly, I think one of our obligations um, as council members is to constantly look toward how can we make the city better, not today, but 15, 25, 50 years from now. Because if you get focused on that short-term gratification, I think you make some sacrifices, just my opinion, in anything, whether it be government or relationships or business. If you're always looking for the immediate gratification, you're really missing um, the opportunity to do some things well long-term because we want to be satisfied right now. And, and that's that's a very normal thing but um, uh, you know I, personally I call that denying yourself uh, today for a better tomorrow so you are young Ronnie uh, yeah I don't feel so <laughs> now young. those of us have been through all of this growing process mm -hmm. I mean look how uh, Salem Pike that bridge over there look how what a mess that has made you're gonna love all it. the people you're gonna love it when it's finished I won't live long enough for that darn thing <laughs> <laughs> Please wait to stop all this stuff till I'm gone. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's what most of people our age they say. Goodness gracious, I can't even get across the the community anymore. Well, and you know this that that Highway 99 project, that Salem project, was a state project, and and I'm not you know picking on the state, but it just takes longer to do a state project than an interlocal project we the city has more control over planning engineering uh, right-of-way acquisition property acquisition it's just a longer process with the state and we're competing with um, a lot of cities and counties you know statewide to get things done to whereas when we decide to do something in our backyard most of the time we can just do it 
one of these days I'm going to be looking down. <laughs> and I said, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> it, it's, you, you will still be here a, a long time. Yeah, I don't and I, wa I want to put that little thought in your head that will stay there. And I'm going to say, Truman might say that, but he'd be smiling, saying, man, look how much this, look at what a great city and county this is, and I've left behind, and all the things I've done to make it great. It's amazing how far off you can be sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you guys, and we have a lot of fun. We do indeed. Yes, we do. And we're lucky to have you, Ronnie. Thank you. I appreciate and you're it. very lucky to have Jan. I know this. Uh, all right, guys, we will see you in the morning, and Jan's mom and daddy will be on, Bobby and Larry. So we're going to have a good time. Thanks see you sure. then. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.